when we are made to feel special or valued, like we really matter, that's a good feeling, isn't it? Maybe you've felt that when you've received exceptional customer service. Can you think of a time where you're, you were made to feel welcomed, like you were the center of attention, like your needs mattered? That feels good. Or maybe you've felt those feelings um, when it was your wedding anniversary and your spouse brought flowers and a card without being reminded and you woke up to these things and you just felt so valued or maybe you've had an experience there are endless ways we can feel valued but maybe you've had the experience of someone you respect coming alongside you in a mentoring role and just listening and caring and coaching and you have the opportunity to share in ways you wouldn't with others it makes us feel very loved very cared for it takes a lot of work to make those moments happen. You know that? It takes a lot of intentionality and care, but it doesn't take much to ruin them. Have you done that? Like, just a few wrong words can ruin all of that. And let me let, let you in on an insight here. You want to know a quick way to ruin a special moment? Not that you should do it. But maybe you should take note that you shouldn't do it. A quick way to ruin that when someone feels like you value them is to expose to them that your actions were motivated by duty. It's a quick way to ruin it all. So maybe you felt that flip, like that heart sinking when you received exceptional customer service and you thank the person and they're like, you're giving me too much credit. You really think I'd be here serving someone like you on a Saturday night if I wasn't getting paid for this? I mean, my boss has a high standard, and I want to keep my job, and that's when you realize, oh, I'm not valuable to you. Your job is valuable to you. And it was the same action, right? Same actions, different motivation, and it doesn't feel quite as good. Or, let's just run through all those scenarios. Maybe you receive those flowers, and you're just praising your spouse for remembering, and they're like, you honestly think I'd forget again? After last time, and you had that meltdown, like I put, I took Google Calendar out, I put it in there, this is a task I'm never forgetting again. And then they proceed to say, you know, because I didn't forget, our, our anniversary is going to be so much happier today. Or maybe, this is a big flip of emotions, maybe that person who's been a listening ear and taking extra time to, to meet with you and have lunch and hear some really tough things, Maybe that flip happens when they pull out their badge and it says FBI. And you thought they were helping you process a troubled past with a listening ear, and really they were wearing a wire to, to get evidence to prosecute you for that troubled past. Completely different motivation. Same action. The action was there, right? But you feel very different about it. So it is the motivation behind the action that gives the meaning to that action. And duty ruins good actions. So duty is the motivation that can just make an apology not meaningful. It can ruin a compliment or a birthday celebration or a Sabbath day. So you know the feeling. I've, I've tried to paint the picture of that emotion, that emotion of feeling very special, and then realizing you weren't 
because someone's motivation was not to make you feel special, that's a feeling God has too. So if you can think of God's heart as grieved and hurt by our motivation behind our right action, he's looking at people who are trying to do the right thing, and he really cares about the action, but what he really wants is the pure motive behind the action. There's a world of difference between duty and delight. Between I have to and I want to. So if you're just joining this series, this is part five. We've been focused on the Sabbath. We are Seventh-day Adventists. Sabbath means something to us. And if you don't know anything else about the Sabbath, what you're going to hear today is that the Sabbath is something God gave us to experience delight in Him. Isn't that good news? Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And one of the gifts of the Sabbath is joy and delight and pleasure. And we're going to just pause right now as we dig into this thought and ask God to bring it home. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us about your intentions for Sabbath and correct our wrong motives so that you would celebrate in our actions as worship to you. I pray that just the verses we look at today and the way we approach them, that it would result in us having more joy in our Sabbath experience than we've had before. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the truth is that I gotta get my clicker on the screen. We there? It's not moving. There it goes. The the truth is that delight is a deeper motivation. That's the good news. So if you are motivated by duty, you do the minimum to get the job done while people are watching, right? Delight, if I'm motivated by delight, I'm pursuing something I want. So it actually keeps me, it doesn't matter who's watching, I have something in me that wants to be satisfied. So I pursue that thing. And God is all delight, not duty. So just back up with me at the beginning of the great controversy as we know it. If God cared about a motivation of duty, his response to Lucifer's rebellion could have been, you are going to obey. You're going to get in line, Lucifer. I don't care what your desire is. You are going to obey me, and you're going to keep a face in front of everyone else like you agree with me. That would be a God who cared about a motivation of duty. He could have motivated that created being to get in line with him out of duty. He could have put some big consequences in place, some big pressure and force. But God was willing to risk a whole lot because he cares about our actions being motivated by delight. So the conversation, in my summary, kind of went like this. You don't have to delight in me. I will not force you to have these correct actions because I care more about your heart than your outward performance. And think of what God risked because he cares more about us delighting to do his will than being forced to do his will. It honors God more. Obeying God honors, honors him. Obedience honors God. What honors God more than obedience is joyful, delighted, willing obedience. Because that gives a picture of a God 
who it is a delight to follow. That honors God. So we're going to look in Amos, and we're going to see just how deep this is in God's heart. God really cares about our motive. He likes the action, but he cares about the motive. And this Amos 8 is pretty dramatic. Okay, I just highlighted a few verses that highlight how dramatic God's revelation is right here. So he's speaking through a prophet, and it sounds maybe over-dramatic, because it begins with, say, God lamenting. He is sorrowful that, that his experience with Israel is coming to an end. Like, this special thing he made with them is coming to an end. So he's saying, this is over. And then he says, midway through, he says, shall not the land tremble on this account? And everyone mourn who dwells in it. So whatever it is that God is highlighting, he's saying, it's, it's big enough to bring this whole thing to an end. It's big enough that the earth should tremble. This is sad stuff. Whatever's happening. And at the end, this is how the chapter ends, okay? They shall fall and never rise again. That's not a good chapter. That's one of those stories where they all get eaten by wolves. Everyone dies in the end, right? This is a bad story. Whatever happens in Amos 8, it ends with, they shall fall and never rise again. And here's what happens. A combination of what we talked about last week and what we're talking about this week. Last week we talked about service and how the gift of the Sabbath is an invitation to serve others. And then now a delight. And here's what God's heart is so grieved about. This is what the earth should tremble about. This is what causes us to fall and never rise again. This is what brings an end. In verse 4, it says, Hear this, you who trample on the needy and bring the poor of the land to an end. So this is justice. God really hurts when we treat people wrong. And then he brings it to the Sabbath, saying, When will the new moon be over that we may sell grain? And the Sabbath that we may offer wheat for sale that we may make the ephah, ephah small and the shekel great and deal in deceitful, deal deceitfully with false balances. Here's what's happening is they are actually doing the actions of keeping the Sabbath. See, if they weren't doing the actions, they wouldn't say, when is the Sabbath over? they just say, I don't care that it's Sabbath. We're doing what we want. But they actually were doing the actions of keeping the Sabbath. And while, while they were doing them, they were saying, when is this thing going to be over? Because I can't wait to go oppress people. I'm going to behave for these hours out of a motivation of duty. It is not a joy because my whole experience is thinking, when is it done so I can pursue a lifestyle out of line with God's will? That's the thing that God says, let the earth tremble. That's the thing that the chapter ends with, they shall fall and never rise again. It's when God's people are doing the right actions with a heart that wants nothing of him. He really hurts with that. You hurt with that when someone who's supposed to love you treats you like this. So here they are saying, when's it over? Because we want to do the wrong thing. And I've had that experience. I remember I was probably about nine years old. I remember being with some friends. Our family got together with a bunch of other families and spent the Sabbath together. And I remember being in the back of a pickup truck. This thought really hit me. And it was getting close to sunset, and the group of us kids, we wanted to play basketball. 
And the parents that were gathered together had decided that basketball was not an activity that we should do on the Sabbath. So I remember one of the kids, in a very whiny voice, asking his mom, Is it sundown yet? Because, you know, play basketball in the dark, it's okay. And I remember thinking in that moment, Something is not right about this. If the Sabbath is worth keeping, which that's what we're focusing on right now, we should not wish it away. Now, I wanted to play basketball, but I remember thinking, if the Sabbath is what it should be, this attitude is wrong. Now, I'm not convicted that basketball on the Sabbath is sin. What I am convicted of is that an attitude that wishes Sabbath away so that it can play basketball is not a Sabbath worth keeping. That is, a Sabbath out of duty and not delight. And so we have a God calling us to delight, not pushing us for duty, who is so pleasing. Reminders all through Scripture, and here's one of them. This is Psalm 1611. It says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Do you believe that? So there's joy in a lot of things. You know where the fullness of joy is? It's in the presence of God. Now, as I say that, there is a wrestling in all of our minds as to whether that's really true. Like, is it really true that whatever joy you can arrive at is less than the joy God has for you in his presence? I believe it's true. I believe that you cannot manufacture anything that is a higher joy than what God wants to give you in connection with him. It says, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Our God is a God of joy. And he calls us to delight in him. And what we find is that it very quickly, Sabbath very quickly is a burden when it's done out of a motivation of duty. In Je Jeremiah 17, there's this command to not bear a burden on the Sabbath. And the religious leaders in Christ's time, they picked up on that. Remember, don't carry that bed on the Sabbath. Don't carry these things. Here's the irony, is that their very efforts to ensure that they don't carry a burden made the Sabbath a burden. You know we could do that? Like, I'm, I'm trying to do this to ensure that I don't break this command. Don't bear a burden on the Sabbath. And the way I do that out of a motivation of duty makes the entire experience a burden. That's not what God wanted us to get from that. When he says don't carry a burden, he's wanting to lift our burdens on the Sabbath, not create an experience that is now a burden for us to endure. So keeping the Sabbath, it's like practicing heaven. So we celebrate this weekend. Our Savior is alive. Amen? Which means that we're going to heaven, that we're going to live forever because he rose from that grave. That resurrection day means we have an eternity that is secure. Like nothing can shake this. It is now guaranteed. And in heaven, in eternity with God, whatever pain you have, that's not going to be there. It's going to be perfection. So let your mind imagine what this is. It is the ultimate Sabbath. At the end of earth's history, the ultimate Sabbath experience will be eternity with God in heaven. And we actually will have Sabbaths where we gather, but the whole thing will be freedom in Christ, resting in Christ. All these things 
that the spirit of Sabbath is. One week, one day out of seven, God is calling us to practice heaven. It won't be perfect. But to order our mindset in our life as much as we can to imagine that we're in that future reality. Like, let's just not work today. Let's not stress about these things so that we could get a taste of that future hope we have. That's what Sabbath is like. I have young kids, and they play things, right? Let's play house. My favorite is, let's play family. You be the dad. And it's like, how do I play that? You know, that's reality. But what they're trying to do is they have this reality in their mind that's a little different than reality, and it's more fun. And they want to imagine that's real right now. And I think that that's a bit of what Sabbath is like, is let's play heaven. I know we're not there yet, but let's just have a meal that feels like heaven. Let's have family time that feels like heaven. Let's have a worship service that feels like heaven. And just for this time, remind ourselves that this earth is not our home. We're going to practice heaven. That is a Sabbath. This is a delight. Now, we have to wrestle with some, some nuanced thoughts here. Well, before I want, just reflect. Just reflect. How, how has Sabbath been motivated by duty? And delight. Take those thoughts with you. Think about them in your experience today. Here's the nuanced question. It sounds like we are getting really technical in a way that doesn't matter. But there's a difference between calling the Sabbath a delight and doing our own pleasure. It was read in Isaiah uh, 58 for the scripture reading. And that just sounds like something that is very legalistic. What's the difference? But we have to deal with it because scripture paints them as a contrast. Calling the Sabbath a delight, that's the one we're supposed to do. Doing our own pleasures, the one we're not supposed to do. So just notice the text. It says, if, so verse 14 is going to give a wonderful reward, like the heights of the earth. And here's the conditions for that reward. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your own pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight. So, in case you've been lost in the sentence, this reward comes when you don't do your own pleasure and you also call the Sabbath a delight. They're two different things. And then it describes both of these, you know, calling it a Sabbath delight would be and the holy day of the Lord honorable. And if you honor it by not doing your own way, that's the first one, or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly. So there's a difference between calling a Sabbath delight doing your own pleasure. And the difference results in this. Then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. That sounds good. What that's saying is, my paraphrase is, when you find delight in the things of God, then you get to go to the highest extent of human joy, the heights of the earth. This is the greatest joy you could have on earth is when you're finding delight in the things of God. So I'll make you ride on the heights of the earth, I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So what is the difference between call it a delight, do your own pleasure? Think the difference is the object of our joy. Not the actions of our enjoyment. Right there. Then you shall take delight in what? In the Lord. The object of our joy, the delight, calling the Sabbath a delight, the good thing, it is, it is about 
delighting in God and the things of God. The one we're not supposed to do, your own pleasure, is finding delight in something other than God. So Sabbath is an invitation to delight in God and not a launch pad to find pleasure in something other than God. It's not, oh, I got this day off, so let's go do something that satisfies me that does not bring me closer to God. So it is the object, and here is, here's the truth, is that we have a God who has more fun for you than you have planned outside of him. You know, do you, does anyone here just want to raise their hand and admit that you love a legalistic Sabbath? You love a Sabbath out of duty. You know that God is more frustrated with an, a legalistic Sabbath than you are. He is. Like, that irritates him more than you do, than it irritates you. It, it makes him more bored than it makes you bored. God doesn't like a legalistic Sabbath because he's missing out on his intention because he's not anti-pleasure. In fact, he delights in our delighting in him. I'll say it again just so you get it. God gets pleasure out of us finding pleasure in him. And if you're a parent, you know what that's all about. You delight when your kids have fun and enjoy the things you've provided and, and the time with you. God is missing out on part of his Sabbath blessing when we don't keep it in delight mode. So here's my favorite slide. Okay, Get it straight in our heads. So we ask, all of us have asked, when we try to think about Sabbath keeping, just, just give me the list, right? This is really hard to know what's right and wrong, so just give me the list. Like, look to the most seasoned, spiritually disciplined person you know and just say, show me the list of what's right to do on the Sabbath and what's wrong to do. God doesn't give us a list. He gives us a principle. And here's the principle. Here's how we assess our delight. If anything's fun, we don't just say, oh, that's bad because it's fun. We say, let me assess this delight. I don't assess it by actions, but by affections. It's not about, did I do this thing, but what was my heart behind it? I don't assess it by the activity I enjoy, but the object of my joy. Which means we shouldn't necessarily be asking for an activity list. We should consider every activity we might want to do on the Sabbath and say, is that the best way to pursue pleasure in God? Because I'm not concerned about an activity. I'm concerned about the object of my joy. Of course, this means anything sinful is out of the question on every day of the week, right? Don't pursue pleasure in sin. So that's off, right? But then there's a whole bunch of things that aren't sinful. They're just things we do, right? And you might have your own Sabbath history where the list included details, right? You can do this physical activity. You can't do this one. You can do this social activity. You can't do this one. Here's how we know if it's good or if it's not helpful on a Sabbath. Is your heart in that activity delighting and pursuing pleasure in God, in the things of God? So take, take this principle and think through your day. What do you have planned for today? And how could that activity actually help you to love God more, to treasure God more, to experience his joy more? Well, that's a great way to spend the Sabbath. If you can see delight in that thing, that's a great way to spend the Sabbath. Don't focus on the activity. Focus on the object 
of your joy. Let's reflect on a few things here. How have you understood the difference between doing your own pleasure and delighting in the, and delight, calling the Sabbath a delight? I think that's an important one. Did you catch the difference? It's all about the object of your delight. And then, how do you feel about delight and pleasure and celebration being a part of Sabbath? Those have been scary words in our, in our church culture before. This is not a God calling us to celebrate bad things, but calling us to celebrate Him and the best things. And it's very much the spirit of Sabbath to delight in God. So we have, uh, we're closing out this series. I want you to think of, uh, I'll describe a situation. Think of this situation as a possible possible posture you've adopted on the Sabbath. So I've read about war and learned that when countries agree to end a war, that does not automatically take the landmines out of the ground. So there, there are dangerous, explosive, violent things that can happen even when both parties have said, we're done fighting. So what do you do about those things? Well, I looked it up. Just how do you get landmines out of the ground? And they have lots of tools. So they've used dogs to sniff it out. They've used uh, ground-penetrating radar to try to spot them. They have a, a big armored vehicle, like the vehicles back here, and there's just armor and thick metal everywhere, and it mines the plow. So it, it flips them over and runs them over. So it's a mine plow. They have a mine flail, and it has this arm that sticks way out as far as it, you know you can get away from it, and it flings chains, chains to detonate mines and then runs them over. And all of these methods are pretty expensive. So in some countries, like most countries that have gone through war, they, their economy has been thrashed, and they don't have a lot of money to do that, so they do it manually. They hire laborers to walk the fields and find the mines. You know, that's not a fun job. So they take wire, and they're trained to look for signs, like look for signs of digging, look for patterns, take very careful steps, and when you see something, you, you can probe around with the wire at a distance, and then they're trained on how to dig them up and to detonate them safely. That is not a hobby anyone has. That is, if you're talking about duty in the light, that's pure duty, right? And the consequences are pretty big, like... If I don't stay focused mentally, if I make a wrong step, I might lose my leg. So their mindset is, of duty is, let's tiptoe around these things and let's obey every single thing we've been told. Like, if our instructor told us this, we're doing it this way. Every protocol, every procedure, because the consequences are too big to slip up. And just take that posture, that stressed out duty posture, and imagine that that's how you come to the Sabbath tiptoeing around minds because, you know, you don't want your God to get mad. Um, so I'm going to focus really hard on doing the right thing and behaving the right way because I can't afford to mess this thing up. The consequences are too big. So we just tiptoe and can carry that anxiety and we don't rest. There's no good illustration I have for landmines being delight. That is something I want to get out of my Sabbath mindset, that I have to tiptoe 
I want to pursue joy and pleasure in God. There is a Jewish practice that I've become aware of now called Ong Shabbat. So this is sometimes on a Friday, sometimes on a Saturday, but it's an after-worship service experience. We call it fellowship meal. So they have this after-worship service experience where they share food and song and spiritual experiences. And Ong Shabbat means the delight of the Sabbath or the joy of the Sabbath. Can you imagine? Like, we have fellowship meal listed on our calendar, right? What if instead we said Sabbath delight? Like, that's the word we use. It is the delight of the Sabbath. We are going to follow this worship experience with as much delight socially and with food and pleasure as possible. God intended us to put delight into our Sabbath practice. So we have come to the end of our five-week Sabbath journey. And here's the deal. Your Sabbath journey doesn't have to come to an end. I really think that Sabbath is a spiritual discipline that touches on so much of our relationship with God, the gospel and our need for rest. I just invite you to go deeper. As, as an Adventist, who's, I've been around Sabbath concepts my whole life. Take this five weeks of study to, to be something that opens your curiosity to how much more God has for you in the Sabbath blessing. So we've looked at five things. Personally, these five things mean enough to me now that I want to actually reflect on my Sabbaths to make sure something of these is in my Sabbath. We've looked at rest. That is a practice. That is how we practice the Sabbath. We rest. It's also a witness to the world. You know that Sabbath is a sign for God's people? Have you read that? Sabbath is a sign for God's people not to say, oh, look who's better than everyone else. It's a sign to say, oh, these people are set apart in a way that glorifies God. And if we can rest, there's a world that's restless that's going to look at us and say, how did you find that? How are you rested? How are you energized? Sabbath is a time for trust. And if you can trust in God and have something that calms your anxieties, that's a witness to the world that your God is trustworthy. You found something that's rock solid that you can hold on to. Sabbath, we practice the Sabbath through worship. We are declaring to the world that our God is worthy of worship. We want to center our lives around, our calendar around, worshiping a God who is entirely worthy of it. And another Sabbath practice we highlighted last week is service, that God cares that we use the Sabbath to do good to others. And finally, let your Sabbath, every Sabbath, be marked by some kind of delighting in God. Let pleasure be in your Sabbath experience. So we're going to praise God with the song, and I invite you to stand with us as we close and worship the God who's worthy of praise, who calls us to delight in Him.